What's up, everyone, and welcome to Making the Shift. We're an SLP couple from California with three boys and a passion for finding better ways to support autistic kids. I'm Chris. You might know me as Speech Dude. I'm a neurodivergent high school SLP and the creator of the dynamic assessment of social-emotional learning, and I specialize in crafting neurodiversity-affirming IEPs through my online course. And I'm Jesse, a sensory integration trained SLP, owner of a top rated clinic in Los Angeles, and the creator of the Inside Out Sensory Communication Programs for Parents and Therapists. Join us weekly to learn neurodiversity affirming ways to support social emotional development and regulation in autistic kids. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Welcome to Making the Shift. We are live. We are live. We're so excited to finally be able to share our fun news. Exactly. We have some amazing news that Jesse's going to kick off the show with. Okay. (laughs) That we are pregnant. You probably saw that on our social media if you follow us, but we're excited to finally be able to talk about it because... It has been a rough few months. It has. For you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, this um, journey has been a fun one, you know, from uh, me stepping in and having some fun with uh, Connor and Tucker, our, my soon-to-be um, stepsons, to having baby Jack and now um, a new baby on the way so we're really excited about that yeah i feel like this pregnancy though is just different because i was sick which i've been sick every pregnancy but this one i've just been in like such a bad mood i get home and all i want to do is sit down on the couch which leaves you with the children getting home and just (laughs) regulating exactly i know i get that i think that for you too it's not just like the pregnancy aspect of it but running uh private practice and online business and everything in between makes it a day full of having to be Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's one of those things, though, where I think a lot of people go through this, but you feel so guilty for feeling angry that you're sick because you're also so grateful to be pregnant. And for me, I went through fertility and my previous marriage and of course like you know I have kids now but I also know what it's like to not be able to have kids when you want to and there's just something about you just have to remind yourself how grateful you are and this time around too is we actually had a miscarriage right before this pregnancy and it was early on but it was one of those things where I think it just made us more grateful that we got pregnant again. I will tell you that journey was really tough because I wasn't expecting that. And I think that's where it is one of those things where in life, you don't know situations. Like when we work with our students, we don't know their own lived experience. When people have kids and, and others don't, you don't know that lived experience until you go through it. And I think that for me was... One of those ones where I hear about miscarriages because they're not uncommon, but for it to happen to us was one of those things where it was like, 
uh, shock, but like really sadness and depression for a bit. And then, um, and then a lot of conversations between Jesse and I to um, get our feedback and use that as an opportunity to learn from and grow from. And then um, finding out that she was, um, you know, able to get pregnant after that again was really um, the feeling of success. It's almost like you get chopped down or you hit the bottom of life's difficulties and that happens for a reason. It happens so we can experience the good things in life. You know, it's like a reflection of all the little things in life are the big things, you know, makes you, you're right, more, yeah. more, more gracious and have more gratitude towards things. It was just really crazy because I thought like, oh, I've had three kids, like, and so when we found out I was pregnant initially, we like thought it was like a sure thing, you know, I felt really confident, like I never doubted. And the whole story is just crazy. I'll share the short version. But my gynecologist passed away suddenly of a heart attack. He was like young and healthy, had kids, all of this. It was so crazy and just like such a strange emotion to experience because like, you know, if you're a woman, especially if you've had kids, like this bond you have with your OB. But um, then we found out about the miscarriage on the day of his funeral which I went to, it was virtual, and it was so crazy because the very first speaker that came up and was talking about him was his friend and patient who said that he had supported her through a miscarriage and how he had told her that it was God's way of sparing them heartache in the future. And... We're not, like, very religious people, but it was, like, one of those things where I feel like we heard the message we needed to hear on the exact day we needed to hear it. Right. Yeah. It was all kind of, you know, lined up for it being um, the way it was, really. You know, the way the road was paved for us on that situation. And then I Googled, I Googled, like, how likely is it to get pregnant after a miscarriage? Because I just assumed it would be harder. And then I read that it was easier in the following months, which I don't know. Don't quote me on this. But it at least was something that gave me hope. And then we found out I was pregnant, like, the very next month after that. And here we are. And Um, here we are. And next week, we want to do our gender reveal with you guys. So. Yep. That's next week. That's the plan. So this past weekend, we had an opportunity to take the family and the kids to Disneyland, world's happiest place on earth, right? (laughs) That was a long version of the name, but... Right, happiest place on earth. And, oh, it should say most expensive place on earth. Yeah, most stressful (laughs) place on earth. (laughs) There's a lot of things that could replace happiest. So it was a really cool trip because it was my three best friends from college. We all got a house together with all of our kids, and they were ages zero to seven, all of the kids. And literally one kid was each age. And we had been talking about doing that for years and never had done that. It was the first time. So it was really fun. But it's just so funny to see everyone's different personalities coming together, like in terms of planning versus like the easier going and it's just always comes back to the sensory patterns it always comes back to like 
the people who want the routine and the structure and the plan and then the people who are just like the go with the flow right yeah absolutely which was you that was me just i that's been my whole life though so it worked out really nice because i'm just really easy going and like whatever happens and whatever the day whatever lines up in the day is is just the way it is which is a nice thing i think because i don't really have expectations for things and when i don't have expectations for things i'm not really setting myself up for disappointment well we all know every uh sensory pattern has pros and cons that is true benefits and challenges but i will say i had you had no expectations i had extremely low expectations i was like there is no way this is gonna be fun i just thought (laughs) it was gonna be too many kids too hot too many lines too much stimulation thought the kids wouldn't want to go on on anything you guys may have remembered we talked on social media about taking the kids to universal and they didn't want to do any like rides. They were so nervous about it. But I think I had so such low expectations that it ended up to be really nice. That's how my experience was too. And I am going to give you some of the most valuable information in your life and you're gonna hear it right now. Here's two tips. When going to Disneyland or to a theme park, Set your expectation bar as low as possible. (laughs) (laughs) That's my first tip here. And I know, I know what you're thinking that that was extremely valuable. Okay. Now my second tip that I want to provide to you is that, um, now that we have, uh, a fourth baby coming, but we do have three that are, you know, under the age of six, um, every once in a while, like some of my friends will say, I don't know how you do it, right? And so the idea behind this is the more children you have, so we're going to have four, the less rules that you have to have. That's how it (laughs) works. Because at the house, if you have rules for everything, then it's no matter what, the rules are going to be broken every 10 minutes. And then you're going to be frustrated, which is going to lead into anger and disappointment. So just make sure you don't have too many rules. It's like Jesse and I on the couch. We don't have a rule about the couch. Like the kids can jump on the couch. Um, the baby can fall into the pillows. They can rearrange it into a fort. We're really flexible about that. But can you imagine if there was a couch rule? But also, I mean, I agree with you to a certain extent, but if we followed your lifestyle, it would just be madness all the time. Like, I also believe that the <laughs> most important thing in parenting is consistency, right? What? So, like, you can't yell at them for jumping on the couch one day and then let them do it the next day. So, it's like, to me, it's more about having, like, boundaries, which children like, by the way, um, and then, like, keeping it within those right yeah i say it jokingly but at the same time it's like uh, a time and a place but the consistency so there's not really a flex a, a rule on the couch there's flexibility however if they're jumping on the couch and it's dinner time we're like all right it's five o'clock it's dinner time we do the same thing every single night same time same place nothing's changed and they're still jumping well, you see, now we have some rules that have been bent a little bit, or not bent, they've been broken. So it's like, 
you need to do dinner time now or there's going to be a natural consequence by not eating right now, which is it's going to impact your story time before bed or whatever it might be. Different conversation. But that's a different conversation. Anyway, let's go back to Disneyland. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, I think it's, I've been thinking about this a lot. It's one of those things where I think you put so many expectations on yourself as a parent. I need to do this because everyone else is taking their kid to Disneyland. Everyone else is planning these vacations. But it all comes back to what we talk about all the time, which is core values and like doing the things in your life that are important to you. Okay, Disneyland was insane so overwhelming every one of the kids got really dysregulated and overwhelmed at different points during the day like there was no day where it was just easy for everyone and I think it's just one of those things where it's like if you're gonna go go because you really want to go you know or like your kid loves the characters or something like that not just because you feel like you need to I'm talking to myself as a parent giving myself advice but like for us we left the park at two o'clock like we did not put the pressure on ourselves to stay it was the point where the kids were just like done they were frustrated and it was like the the heat and all the things it was like we didn't have to stress ourselves out and stay longer than we needed to which worked out perfect because we were all kind of on the same page and then i think the next day we even learned more which was taking more breaks was really helpful because I think you get into the park and then you get so excited where you want to do everything and if the lines are not long you just figure well we might as well do one more before we get a snack or we might as well do another one after that when in reality just like pausing going snacking taking a breather that was really helpful we had the little fan with water to keep us um, Yeah, we going. Bought, a, bought a nice $20 fan spray gun there. That was really <laughs> nice, actually. I love that part, absolutely. Yeah, but we, the other families bought one for each of their children. We only bought one and made them share. That's one good, for the whole family. That's a good lesson right there. Yeah. So we have some things that um, we were going to talk about. Jesse's mentioned in a previous um episode about um, different types of sensory patterns and um, all of our our uniqueness within the family. Yeah, so we've kind of talked about this in the past, how we each have different sensory patterns. So it's definitely interesting because if you think about going back to those, and if you didn't catch that episode, go back and watch it. But if you think about, you know, two of the patterns, which are a seeker and a bystander, those are people who have a really high threshold for sensory input, meaning it takes a lot for them to feel it and for it to activate them, which is you and Tucker. Tucker and I, absolutely. So you guys could just go. Right. I'm trying to think of, though, like, what overwhelms you there? I just actually, because of my ADHD and my being impatient... It's really tough to stand in those lines that have a long wait. Yeah. <laughs> I know most people don't like that. So whatever you, you're you um, feeling when you're standing in a long line, times that by 100. <laughs> 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 it's miserable. <laughs> okay, so the lines, which we really did not get a lot of lines. So that was nice. 
Yeah, we had a fortunate situation. Yeah. And I, then we did a lot. For weeks leading up to it, we were watching YouTube videos of all the rides. So the kids, because we learned that from Universal, because we got to Universal, they didn't know what the rides were going to look like on the inside, so they didn't want to go on them. So we did a lot of watching YouTube. Um, you guys know that Connor, our six-year-old, is an avoider, so he just gets very, very anxious. Um, so it was like one of those things, too, with lower expectations where... Our kids were all young, but, like, most of them could go on the big rides, like Splash Mountain and Space Mountain. Most of the kids four and older were tall enough, but we didn't do those, and we didn't, like, stress out the kids by forcing them. I Do you remember your first roller coaster? No. Oh, my God. My first roller coaster, I was seven, and it was this, like, rickety wooden one, and my dad took me, and they take a picture at the top, and I'm just bawling and I didn't want to go on it for years so like we don't need to do that to our kids we so that's one of the strategies yeah showing um, a YouTube video of all the each ride that we're potentially thinking about going on so the kids can really reduce that anxiety or get an idea if it's something that they don't want to do um, the other thing too um, using Google Earth to kind of zoom in around the park to get an idea of where we're gonna go mapping it out to get a visual to reduce any anxiety but the other thing that was great that um, Jesse was really good about was when we're waiting in line kind of describing if there were going to be bright lights on that ride and giving the option of hey if there's bright like for example Winnie the Pooh was actually <laughs> a lot of bright lights in that or one or Tucker said this much scary like a little scary a little scary and prepping them like hey if there's a time where the lights are too bright or the sounds are too loud cover your ears yeah, or you can turn your head a down lot a lot to cover their ears yeah which worked because it was the safe spot it was like okay i'm willing to go on this ride but i also know that i have some options when it comes to meeting my senses with bright lights or loud sounds or any kind of bumpiness or um, different aspects to the, the sensory needs, yeah. which is great. And I think, like, it had to be the best thing we did was getting there early. Like, I would say if you were going there with a child who doesn't like to be in big crowds, that go early and leave early, you know? That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The nice, so here's something that's a, like a little insider tip that I just might as well share. There's a Disneyland disability pass that they have available. Um, that you can get on their website, schedule a quick video chat with one of the cast members. They get to know about... That's fun. Yeah. So they'll spend a couple minutes on the phone video chatting with you and um, and with the child or whoever has the disability and will provide that pass and you get access to um, two main attraction rides to be um, kind of jet streamed up to the front. And when you get to the park... You still have options for all of the other attractions as well of um, getting an option to stand over in a safe, quiet spot versus the big line or be around people. Um, kind of a cool thing. Uh, I've never done it, but I've heard that the process is a really nice transition and easy thing for individuals to do if they're wanting to do that. So that information right there you can share if you know families or um, students of yours or clients that are going to be going to a theme park that they have those options as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think just the most important thing is like 
<laughs> I hate to say keep your expectations low because that sounds so pessimistic, but I guess I almost mean the reverse of that is like, it's not worth stressing yourself out. Like for us, it wasn't worth stressing ourselves out to feel like we didn't get our money's worth if we didn't stay the whole day or if we didn't go on enough rides. It's like, if everyone's having fun, it was a successful day. So I think that that's gotta be. And like, we had friends who went home at nap time at noon and didn't come back because it's just like the kids weren't in a mood to come back. So I think it's just, you gotta do what works for you and what keeps everyone in your family happy. We talked about that last week a little bit on last episode of when we do set expectations, We it's not setting them low, but it's more of like trying to transition those expectations into like appreciating the moment. I understand Disneyland is an expensive thing and not everybody can do it. We're privileged in that sense of being able to even be there. So it's like one of those things yeah, where once. <laughs> one time <laughs> we were able to afford it once a decade. So expensive. But it's like when the kid when the kids were like, we're not going to go on Splash Mountain rather than getting upset because we were expecting that or because I was expecting to go down this big you were, fun you water were thing. Expecting it. I was like, you know what? I'm just happy that I'm here. The fact that there's a ro- log ride in front of me that I can look at and I can see like characters in the park. I appreciate that. I appreciate the kids. Uh, we have a great photo. We actually posted on Instagram story of little baby Jack running over to Eeyore and yeah. giving him a big hug and looking at him. He didn't want to let go. It's like the world's largest stuffed animal <laughs> and he was in heaven. So it's being grateful for those moments. Um, and you literally like everything in life, if you really think about it, it's, something that we can turn expectation into appreciation like even there the food we were over at the other park um and got some food and it was okay but they charge a heck of a lot of money but it's like one of those things where you think about well you don't want to go well this food's not very good for the price it's more of those things where if you turn the expectation into appreciation you go you know what i appreciate the fact that there's a restaurant here in disneyland because and if i lived in madagascar i wouldn't be able to go to disneyland because there's no such thing as a restaurant or i just mentioned anywhere in the world um you know we're in a rare situation to be somewhere where there was something yeah and they just happen <laughs> to have amazing clam chowder in a bread bowl which is so weird to eat there right yeah and it was like 90 degrees but i had to have it pregnancy you can't Ravens. skip the bread bowl at disneyland awesome well if you're watching this or you're watching it back feel free to put in the comments other suggestions you have we know that there are so so many different things that might help when you go and it could help a lot of other families as well if you want to throw some in the chat or comment I think, too, while we're um, going to check out some comments, uh, what Jesse and I do, too, that really is helpful for our kids, but like with the students that I work with, is just working off the narrative. So the conversation alone works. When Jesse and I are talking and we are kind of speaking out loud of, okay, we're coming up on this ride for Buzz Lightyear. There might be some sounds. And if anybody... Um, needs any support or us to cover their ears, what can we say? How can we ask for the help? So we're really kind of framing a self-advocacy piece for the kids because that's going to be something that when we're not around, 
they have been developing that skill. It's kind of the same thing that we do when we're with our with our clients and our students. The best thing to do, honestly, is to talk things out and to provide them a map and frame a situation so they can develop the skill that way. Because I think oftentimes um, there's the question mark of, well, if we're teaching self-advocacy skills, how do we do that in the speech clinic? How do we do that in my speech office at work? And that is one of the ways you do it. Talking out loud and, and really verbalizing or communicating the situations that they're gonna be in. Like, what would you do if you're at Disneyland um, and you were looking to find a restroom because you had to go? Like, what does that look like? I don't know. Well, we would wanna find somebody who looks like an employee, and then what could we ask? We advocate. And so that was really what our day consisted of as well. Uh, was Lots of talking through stuff, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on the note of sensory, I almost forgot to mention that next week we have another free sensory training coming up. It's four days long. It's for SLPs and SLPAs. So if you want to get in on that, you want to learn some sensory strategies to use in your speech sessions, we will put a link in the episode description so that you can make sure you're signed up. It's going to be great. And we look forward to continuing these Disney conversations and hearing what other suggestions everyone else has. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, be awesome and be legendary. All right. Bye.